Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Struggle. I will endeavor. I will speak but little. And if possible, I will listen much. Now, my dear, I will write to this man, and you shall give me the address that is proper for him. Then he wrote the letter, not accepting a word in the way of dictation from his wife, but craving the great kindness of a short interview, for which he ventured to become a solicitor, urged thereto by his wife's assurance that one with whom he was connected by family ties would do as much as this for the possible preservation of the honour of the family. In answer to this, Mr. Toogood wrote back as follows. Dear Mr. Crawley, I will be at my office all Thursday morning next, from ten to two, and will take care that you shan't be kept waiting for me above ten minutes. You parsons never like waiting. But hadn't you better come and breakfast with me and Maria at nine? Then we'd have a talk as we walk to the office. Yours always, Thomas Toogood and the letter was dated from the attorney's private house in Tavistock Square. "'I am sure he means to be kind,' said Mrs. Crawley. "'Doubtless he means to be kind, but his kindness is rough. I will not say unmannerly, as the word would be harsh. I have never even seen the lady whom he calls Maria. She is his wife. So I would venture to suppose, but she is unknown to me.' I will write again and thank him, and say that I will be with him at ten to the moment. There were still many things to be settled before the journey could be made. Mr. Crawley, in the first plan, proposed that he should go up by night mail-train, travelling in the third class, having walked over to Silverbridge to meet it, that he should then walk about London from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., and afterwards come down by an afternoon train to which a third class was also attached but at last his wife persuaded him that such a task as this performed in the middle of the winter would be enough to kill any man, and that, if attempted, it would certainly kill him, and he consented at last to sleep the night in town, being specially moved thereto by discovering that he could, in conformity with this scheme, get in and out of the train at a station considerably nearer to him than Silverbridge, and that he could get a return ticket at a third-class fare. The whole journey, he found, could be done for a pound, allowing him seven shillings for his night's expenses in London, and out of the resources of the family there were produced two sovereigns, so that, in the event of accident, he would not utterly be a castaway from want of funds. So he started on his journey, after an early dinner, almost hopeful through the new excitement of a journey to London, and his wife walked with him nearly as far as the station. Do not reject my cousin's kindness, were the last words she spoke. 
for his professional kindness if he will extend it to me i will be most thankful he replied she did not dare to say more nor had she dared to write privately to her cousin asking for any special help lest by doing so she should seem to impugn the sufficiency and stability of her husband's judgment he got up to town late at night and having made inquiry of one of the porters he hired a bed for himself in the neighbourhood of the railway station there he had a cup of tea and a morsel of bread and butter and in the morning he breakfasted again on the same fare no i have no luggage he had said to the girl at the public-house who had asked him as to his travelling gear if luggage be needed as a certificate of respectability i will pass on elsewhere said he the girl stared and assured him that she did not doubt his respectability i am a clergyman of the church of england he had said but my circumstances prevent me from seeking a more expensive lodging they did their best to make him comfortable and i think almost disappointed him in not heaping further misfortunes on his head he was in raymond's buildings at half-past nine and for half an hour walked up and down the umbrageous pavement it used to be umbrageous but perhaps the trees had gone now before the doors of the various chambers he could hear the clock strike from gray's inn and the moment that it had struck he was turning in but was encountered in the passage by mr toogood who was equally punctual with himself strange stories about mr crawley had reached mr toogood's household and that maria the mention of whose christian name had been so offensive to the clergyman had begged her husband not to be a moment late poor mr toogood who on ordinary days did perhaps take a few minutes grace was thus hurried away almost with his breakfast in his throat and as we have seen just saved himself perhaps sir you are mr crawley he said in a good-humoured cheery voice he was a good-humoured cheery-looking man about fifty years of age with grizzled hair and sunburnt face and large whiskers nobody would have taken him to be a partner in any of those great houses of which we have read in history the quirk gammon and snaps of the profession or the dodson and foggs who are immortal that is my name sir said mr crawley taking off his hat and bowing low and i am here by appointment to meet mr toogood the solicitor whose name i see affixed upon the doorpost i am mr toogood the solicitor and i hope i see you quite well mr crawley then the attorney shook hands with the clergyman and preceded him upstairs to the front room on the first floor here we are mr crawley and pray take a chair i wish you could have made it convenient to come and see us at home we are rather long as my wife says long in family she means and therefore are not very well off for spare beds oh sir i've twelve of them living mr crawley from eighteen years the eldest a girl down to eighteen months the youngest a boy and they go in and out boy and girl boy and girl like the cogs of a wheel they ain't such far away distant cousins from your own young ones only first once as we call it i am aware that there is a family tie or i should not have ventured to trouble you blood is thicker than water isn't it i often say that i heard of one of your girls only yesterday she is staying somewhere down in the country not far from where my sister lives mrs ames the widow of poor john ames who never did any good in this world i dare say you've heard of her the name is familiar to me mr toogood 
"'Of course it is. I've a nephew down there just now, and he saw your girl the other day. Very highly he spoke of her, too. Let me see, how many is it you have?' Three living, Mr. Toogood. "'I've just four times three. That's the difference. But I comfort myself with the text about the quiver, you know, and I tell them that when they've eat up all the butter they'll have to take their bread dry. I trust the young people take your teaching in a proper spirit.' I don't know much about spirit. There's spirit enough. My second girl, Lucy, told me that if I came home to-day without tickets for the pantomime, I shouldn't have any dinner allowed me. That's the way they treat me. But we understand each other at home. We're all pretty good friends there, thank God, and there isn't a sick chick among the boiling. You have many mercies for which you should indeed be thankful, said Mr. Crawley, gravely. "'Yes, yes, yes, that's true. I think of that sometimes, though perhaps not so much as I ought to. But the best way to be thankful is to use the goods the gods provide you. The lovely Thais sits beside you. Take the goods the gods provide you. I often say that to my wife, till the children have got to calling her Thais. The children have it pretty much their own way with us, Mr. Crawley.' By this time Mr. Crawley was almost beside himself, and was altogether at a loss how to bring in the matter on which he wished to speak. He had expected to find a man who in the hurry of London business might perhaps just manage to spare him five minutes, who would grapple instantly with the subject that was to be discussed between them, would speak to him half a dozen hard words of wisdom, and would then dismiss him and turn on the instant to other matters of important business. But here was an easy, familiar fellow, who seemed to have nothing on earth to do, and who, at this first meeting, had taken advantage of a distant family connection to tell him everything about the affairs of his own household. And then how peculiar were the domestic traits which he told! What was Mr. Crawley to say to a man who had taught his own children to call their mother Thais? Of Thais Mr. Crawley did know something, and he forgot to remember that perhaps Mr. Toogood knew less. He felt it, however, to be very difficult to submit the details of his case to a gentleman who talked in such a strain about his own wife and children. But something must be done. Mr. Crawley, in his present frame of mind, could not sit and talk about Thais all day. "'Sir,' he said, "'the picture of your home is very pleasant, and I presume that plenty abounds there.' "'Well, you know, pretty tall all for that.' With twelve of them, Mr. Crawley, I needn't tell you that they are not all going to have castles and parks of their own, unless they can get them off their own bats, but I pay upwards of a hundred a year each for my eldest three boys' schooling, and I've been paying eighty for the girls. Put that and that together and see what it comes to. Educate, educate, educate. That's my word. No better word can be spoken, sir. I don't think there's a girl in Tavistock Square that can beat Polly. She's the eldest, called after her mother, you know, that can beat her at the piano. And Lucy has read Lord Byron and Tom Moore all through, every word of them. By Jove, I believe she knows most of Tom Moore by heart, and the young uns are coming on just as well. Perhaps, sir, as your time is no doubt precious. Just at this time of day we don't care so much about it, Mr. Crawley, and one doesn't catch a new cousin every day, you know. However, if you will allow me—' 